0: Welcome. My name is Christine Beatty. I'm the director at the Madison Senior Center, and my co-producer is Tom Fraser. Hi, Tom. Good, good afternoon. Yes, are we ready?
1: <laughs> I think we are. We've got a
0: great program.
1: Well, we have a great guest. Yeah, amen. Uh, we have the Madison Chief of Police, Mike, Michael Koval, um, who's been with the Madison Police Department since 1983, or started in 1983. Uh, he is a graduate of Madison West High School.
2: We know he's the best high school, so let's start that fury right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's yeah. start well, calling. My, my son went there, so I can't disagree with Impectable that. Impeccable taste. Uh, U, UW, a graduate of UW Madison with a journalism degree.
2: But I'm in recovery,
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing wrong with journalism. Oh, yeah. And uh, a law degree from, uh,
2: William Mitchell. William
1: Mitchell College. Where is that?
2: Oldest division evening law school in America up in St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh,
1: St. Paul, Minnesota. And before coming, becoming chief police on April 2014, not mm-hmm. that long ago, uh, he served as a special agent with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, mm-hmm. uh, and subsequently returned to the Madison Police Department and served in patrol services. He then became the Sergeant of Recruitment and Training for 17 years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been a police officer, field training officer, field training supervisor, SWAT hostage negotiator, so critical response any team any quick moves, <laughs> supervisor, <laughs> we'll be careful, primary uh, head instructor, and, and sergeant. Uh, he's a native of Wisconsin. Yep. Uh, and when he went to UW, he was Bucky Badger for three years.
2: Isn't that a sad commentary when you're, <laughs> your best life, you're peaking it's when you're under moment. paper mache and everything thereafter is sort of cresting. It's
0: welcome. a sad commentary. Thank you for having me. Welcome. I appreciate it.
2: I, I kind of feel like I'm much more comfortable with these demographics than my usual demographic. <laughs> so thank you.
0: We're delighted to have you here, Chief. Thanks. And, oh, and welcome to your, your new role as chief it's been what how long well
2: it feels it's 19 months Months. in human
0: lives
2: (laughs) I feel like it's the canine equivalent though in terms of what it's extracted on your personal
0: absolutely (laughs) anyway you get a tough one we'll start
1: with uh, given your long experience in policing Uh what what are the major changes that you've seen over that period
2: well, I think um, where I saw some very pronounced distinctions is when I first came on under then-Chief David Cooper. Mm-hmm. Cooper would have been considered then, as is the case now, a progressive, a pioneer, someone who was willing to push the envelope of how traditional policing services were being offered right. and who was uh, fielding those services. He was the first opportunity to give some real recognition to getting folks with post-high school educations, a diverse workforce, a workforce that had more uh, women than historically has Mm -hmm. been Mm -hmm. done. And so we started out in a a crucible of change. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I was first drawn to Madison because I recall going then down the two-lane belt line with Uh opposing traffic
0: Mm
2: -hmm. uh, with a billboard about uh, think about joining, the domestic Peace Corps, think about being a Madison cop, and I thought that was such an interesting way to think out of the box in terms of those services. But over time, I think what we've all seen is some words or wars of rhetoric have become self-fulfilling, and now there is a necessity, I think, for us to once again recapture or reclaim some of the ground we've lost, As we may all recall, growing up, we've had various wars on crime, wars on drug. Now, of course, in a a post-9-11 world, we have war on terror. And the euphemisms that come with those sort of semantics can at times be self-fulfilling and find their way into your workplace. So, for example, I think that a lot of folks were saying in a post-9-11 world is that we're willing to compromise or exchange some of the liberties some of the privacies we enjoyed prior to nine eleven in exchange for a grander sense of security or wealth or welfare domestically but as you also see through the media the, the TV the movies the we've become increasingly as you've seen uh, more militaristic mm-hmm. it 's been much more of a focus on looking at the tactical or the reactionary elements. Of this field, and I think then what we 've had to do, or what I 'm attempting to do, as are many other, is to reclaim the paradigm which depicts the police officer 's role uh, in a free society as that of a guardian 's role as opposed to a warrior's role. Mm-hmm. Nothing that there's intrinsically wrong with the ethical or the ethos of a warrior. Uh, certainly the military has embraced those fundamental moral principles. But I think to the average Joe or Jill six-pack on the street, when you say war, you think of what? Win at all costs, rules be darned, um, at the ends justifies the means, uh, get the bad guys no matter mm-hmm. what the cost. And I think that uh, reflecting on that, that's an unfortunate sort of reference from which to draw your vocation from. And I think if you think of the guardian role, it's much more nurturing, it's protective, it's defending of rights as much as defending of personal security in our communities. And I think it shows a grander idea of the various modalities of work. You know, most of, we've quantified over time. Uh, I don't, when referring to the Madison Police Department, refer to what our officers are as law enforcement officers. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with that. It's just that I think it begs the bigger question. We've quantified that all those events, those job dimensions that officers engage in, literally, quantifiably, less than 25% nationally involves law enforcement or enforcement of laws. Mm -hmm. So much of what we do are diagnostics, crisis intervention and mediation, civil disputes, quality of life issues, first responding in terms of first aid, and social work. And in that sense, then, we're trying, as we are day by day, one call at a time, to recapture sort of that sort of image of what our profession ought to be, because I think that's the expectation citizens would prefer.
0: Certainly in Madison, citizens prefer that and have been used to it, as you said, for a long time.
2: Yeah, although I will say, to give props to Chief Cooper, we were a very traditional, very reactive Mm -hmm. uh, police department prior to his arrival. Mm -hmm. So it has been uh, not an overnight sensation. These things Mm -hmm. have taken time, and even to this day, when we look at the participation or the role of women in this profession, if you were to quantify women vis-à-vis federal, state, county, local, municipal, or even corrections, women only comprise 12% of the workforce Mm. nationally. In Madison, we're one of the leaders. I'm certainly not content with it, but we're at over 30%. So we're trying to do more and in more qualitative ways.
1: How are you doing on minorities?
2: Minorities, I think we're doing very well, reflected to what we are seeing Uh, compose the demographics of Madison. Uh, For example, about 20% of my workforce are people of color. Uh, So if we look at the African American indices from the last comprehensive census that uh, the Division of Civil Rights says we ought to be referring to, we have about 8% African American and my department has 10%. Where I think I would like us to do better is obviously in reflecting the growing demographics of Latinos, and mom, and I think those are, are areas where we continue to strive to make efforts to get more. Because frankly, I've always said some people think in jest, but I mean in all seriousness. I do not want our public, our constituents to see 470 white guys with bad haircuts like me. (laughs) I I would like them to know that the people that are reflective of their community policing efforts are in fact very much approachable and look a lot like everybody else.
0: Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, and that's really great.
1: Hmm. Well some of the issues that are occurring now. Sure. just in the paper this morning, the State Journal, there was an article about a legislation being considered for concealed weapons on school grounds. And the good news, I thought, was mm-hmm. they didn't think it would pass this year. But what what is your um, take on that and and even the broader issue of just gun control?
2: Well, again, I think that it, being respectful and mindful of Second Amendment rights, uh, the gun in and of itself is, is not the problem to this litmus test, but uh, I think there's a sense, based on perceptions, is that uh, this is an increasingly hostile world and that there's danger around every corner. Mm -hmm. And while I do think it's uh, healthy to take a self-awareness look at the environments that we live and work and play in, I'm not as much uh, inclined to be such an alarmist as those who think that we now need to have everybody armed, including our teachers and including the the Mm kids' zones and everything else. Uh, Quite frankly, so much of what a police officer in Madison is responding to, and when you talk about deaths occasioned by firearms, are a lot of deaths, and frankly, uh, owing to suicides. Uh, People who are despondent, not coping well, uh, their skill or problem-solving abilities are, are limited, and in the throes of sort of a desperate act, it's the last final act, we go to a lot of calls like that the gun in and of itself if it's not safely maintained locked up stored away is the a fatally attractive nuisance if not properly stored and i think that uh, the the minimalist approach of having for me I, i'm on the losing end of a lot of these but i didn't think anything intrinsically wrong with a waiting period to sort of stage, to make sure that if a person may or may not have been in a form of crises, that that may have been an opportunity for a cooling off period or an intervention. Mm -hmm. I don't have empirical things except what I see anecdotally in the field, and I think again, talking about closing loopholes on some fundamental things like background checks
1: and Mm -hmm. not
2: having straw party purchases by third parties who then conveyed the gun to someone who isn't eligible. Those, I think, are are very modest things, not to mention the fact that we know because it's been done, we've seen the platforms, there is smart gun technology. We see the industry has harnessed it. There are now guns, literally, that I've seen where... um, it will imprint uniquely to my fingerprint pattern or my palm print so that if anybody but me holds onto the gun, it won't fire. It can be used as a blunt instrument like a hammer or something mm-hmm. like that, but it won't fire. And I think that that technology exists, but quite frankly, there is no economic incentive to mass-produce it, it because Mm -hmm. you've got a price point. The price point has these uh, weapons flying off the shelf, so there is no incentive uh, from a manufacturing standpoint Mm -hmm. to look at doing business differently. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. Um, I I hear a lot about police um, uh, corruption in the paper. Mm -hmm. I hear about the use of force by police. uh, Obviously, we're having some of those problems, but generally... You know, when I look through your materials, I see that you are definitely um, on target in terms of wanting our officers in Madison to um, use reasonable force, absolutely, and um, and also high ethical standards for our officers. Uh, comment just generally on that, uh, that what you're seeing nationally on that.
2: Well, I, I do think that there's narratives that we see beamed into our living rooms or wherever we're watching television on any night, and on any given day or so it seems, we'll see behavior from the police uh, uh, comporting themselves inappropriately mm-hmm. or excessively or mm-hmm. downright unlaw- unlawfully. Mm-hmm. And in our era of so much access to so many images through social networks, I think that's the new normal. So the new normal is is that. I don't know that we will be able to escape sort of those uh, clandestine portrayals that we see. Uh, Having said that, my challenge has always been to our officers is that we must own that which we can control. And that means one call, one contact, one conversation at a time, as if this were the only transaction, the only encounter, the only call. That mattered at all to us. And in that sense, at a very organic or grassroots level, I hope that our sort of actions speak volumes to people who then say what uh, an appropriate and positive uh, encounter they had with the Madison police. But to your point, um, we have had, and I certainly can't uh, take any shelter from this, we have had, since I've come on, uh, three officer-involved shootings already some have made national headlines as we know there's no Mm -hmm. getting around it and throughout it all though people have said we want transparency we want accountability Mm -hmm. i don't disagree with either one of those tenets of philosophy in fact our code of conduct our standard operating procedures Mm -hmm. they are there they are on the website for all to look at to comment or to offer constructive advice Now, as you well know, the the city council and the mayor's office has sort of convened a, a conclave, a representative group from the community, and they are going to be embarking upon an extremely comprehensive study of policies, procedures, training, hiring, uh, in essence, looking at the entire culture of the MPD to see where we could be better, where we can improve. And, you know, when you when you live with your own set of doctrinaires, mm-hmm. it's sometimes difficult to have that abject, second-party, disinterested mm-hmm. look at it. So we, we welcome that mm-hmm. as an opportunity for not only for us to get feedback, but it's also an opportunity for us to tell the public, do you know that? we're already doing this, the things that you're seeing. The thing that's Mm -hmm. unique about the MPD workforce, for example, is that our average entering age is 29. Mm -hmm. They have a bachelor's degree, Mm -hmm. and about 20% have a master's degree. Mm -hmm. And they are literally from degree areas from anthropology to zoology. We're not by any means a a one-size-fits-all, cookie-cutter sort of operation where everybody has military, criminal justice background, or studied it at UW-Platteville. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all over the map. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes for the mm-hmm. big D diversity mm-hmm. and an eclectic workplace that mm-hmm. makes us better. But we we can't uh, sort of say, oh, not here, not in my backyard. We, too, have to grapple with some significant issues because we don't have to look to Chicago. We don't have to look at Milwaukee or New York. Right. We've had those same mm-hmm. difficult mm-hmm. issues occurring right in our own backyard, and there's no escaping that. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: That's kind of a segue into, I understand that you have started, I believe, a mental health task force. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that in relation to what we're talking about here.
2: Out of the three officer-involved shootings that my administration has been exposed to thus far, in at least two of those issues mental health issues were part of the formulary that led to bad outcomes. Mm-hmm. And increasingly, because I, I still ride a beat and patrol from week to week, at least for a couple hours, it's incredible how many of our officers are going on mental health-related issues or behaviors mm-hmm. that are prompted owing mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. mental health implosions. And I can't recall, you know, we all have a smartphone. Every eight hours I get the updated briefings. I cannot recall since taking office, more than three uh, back-to-back-to-back shifts where we haven't done an emergency detention going all the way to the Winnebago treatment facility in Oshkosh. So what I find is that the state feels like they're tapped out and can't offer any more assistance to me. As a matter of fact, we're suing the state to try to get Mendota opened up again Mm -hmm. to us. Uh, the county mm-hmm. is, as many counties are, they're tapped out in terms of what they can offer for resources. So I sort of say to, the, to my captains and their management team, I guess there's nobody else that's going to be here 24-7. Why not us? Mm-hmm. So now we have a, a dedicated officer from each district who never goes on calls for service per se. That person is proactive, preemptive, collaborative with mental health clinicians, journey uh the private sector as well, and we're trying to make for better outcomes so that things don't devolve to this sort of situation that require a greater police presence. And, you know, the best options is that looking for those um, outcomes that are the least restrictive alternatives to folks that are going through these struggles, and that's ultimately, I think, mm-hmm. is providing us an extremely important public service.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that include, like, some mental health training for oh absolutely
2: sure. you know there's a there's a template of what is minimally required by state regulatory mm-hmm. boards we probably double those hourly requirements and we make it a part of our in-service requirements okay. as well and send people to specialized uh, training madison is one of six model training centers for mental health interdiction and so we're very proud of that and in 2016, we're going to be used as a test site for a grant where we will be the only test model in place where we will literally be able to better track those mental health cases and be able to see where they went, what their outcomes were, and where we could do better. So it's a new data service that has never been Tried before, and we're anxious about those possibilities. And
1: this is the police department.
2: Yeah, in the, the police department yeah, is I exactly.
0: I know that sure. we've uh, at the Madison Senior Center we've depended upon your officers, and they have performed beautifully uh, in terms of assisting us with. Uh, we well, have a lot of, of issues
2: in that senior center because you're right in the fulcrum of a lot of activity. That's
0: right, oh, yeah. we're right downtown. Absolutely, and we've uh, we've had some wonderful people coming through our door. Yes, you in have. In terms of uh, your officers, we. Really appreciate well that.
2: thank you appreciate that feedback
0: um, when we're talking about um older adults and this is a program of by and for older adults i'm
2: right with you the, now
0: the i'm
2: is us. right <laughs> i'm here
0: all of us. i'm all so of us. here with
2: you i'd like to produce my arp card if you don't believe me i i'm it certainly automatic oh gosh like happy about that
0: um it, it, some of the key issues that you see facing older adults in our community, or um, as Tom put it, um, you know, what kinds of things can they do to keep themselves safe and, sure. and help you uh, as a department?
2: Well, it's interesting because uh, folks of our demographics now bring me into the picture. We're still inclined to take walks, to take our dogs out for walks, or to call us with a neighbor uh, over a cup of coffee down the block. You are the literally the eyes and ears of what looks like it's out of place or what's an anomaly. And in that sense, uh, you are the proverbial stewards of keeping these neighborhoods alive and vibrant and having people talk to each other. You know, we go back... I think I can go back. I think it was back in the mid to late sixties. Do we all remember that uh, commentary, the, the Kitty Genovese story, the detached Mm -hmm. American where, what is it, 38 people watched and stood idly by or everybody assumed the next person would do something while this poor woman was, was stabbed repeatedly to her death. And the, the takeaway from that is increasingly we become more isolated, more uh, concerned about well, I don't want to be a Budinsky because those are privacy issues. I don't want to meddle. I don't want to be a buzzy body. But in, in the sense of what's best for community and for one's neighbor, I see that as being a good and kind steward to one another. Mm-hmm. So when you see things and when you take care of each other, as my my wife's grandmother... Uh, you can't make this stuff up, Irene and Gertie. <laughs> they had this tag team where one would call one at 7 a.m. to say good morning and how things going, and then they'd call each other again at 7 p.m., mm-hmm. sort of a check-in, a buddy system. Mm-hmm. And that thing was perfect, and it really it went a long way. And, you know, mm-hmm. when we see, I'm looking out the door, and I said, well, that guy's got two a day's worth of mail, and he's always out there every morning picking up the mail. We're always waiting at each other. Well, if the mail or the newspaper hasn't been picked up, pick up the phone and let us check their welfare. It's things like that. The other thing is is that folks have to be more mindful. We're more trusting. That is sort of part of our generation. Isn't and
0: that an, a Midwest uh, attribute? It might be. We're trusting.
2: It might be. I was listening to Tom Brokaw <laughs> tell me that very thing on my way into work today. <laughs> and I'm not the great generation, but I, I do think we have that to us. But, I mean, just the sort of little things about attentiveness to our personal effects we're grocery shopping. Yeah. Just where you're keeping. And the other thing is nowadays is... The financial sort of scamming and the identity things that we have to be Mm -hmm. more cognizant of. Mm -hmm. My wife thinks I'm absolutely OCD because I shred everything. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because I'm convinced if you asked me today as the chief of police, would I rather get punched once in the nose and have a bloody nose or if someone take my wallet and the uh, the ability to compromise my identity is a, give me two punches
0: <laughs> because it
2: takes forever to reclaim, reclaim that, that privacy mm-hmm. you right. know it's so disturbing
0: and by the way the senior center has a shredder that anyone can use so
2: bless you it's a, you're you're sending a public service good
0: when too, mine goes it? on the
2: fritz i'll come to yours
1: well you know and more and more including me mm-hmm have been compromised on credit cards and that kind of thing. Well, I
2: think in one eight-month period, because of my buying habits, (sighs) I went to Target at the wrong time, that card had to go. Home Depot, that had to go. And then they had to do a background for me to become chief and the federal government's privacy files were compromised, and now they're paying for my credit history. Oh, this is crazy.
0: Well, be uh, careful. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> it's well, very important.
1: Speaking of seniors, are there yeah. any sort of major scams that are occurring right now that you're well, aware of? Well, uh, typically,
2: you see the home repair thing, oh, typically. That That's where it starts. In the spring. And, mm-hmm. Every year, there's those odds and ends that have been, b- mm-hmm. been put off, and you get scammers to that extent. Right. The door-to-door solicitation we should always be checking for photo ID solicitors permits you know we have people who are so darn altruistic and want to do the right thing but we really have to do a better job of looking at What is, in fact, if I look up this charitable endeavor, is it, in fact, unlegit? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Things
2: like that are happening all too frequently is what we're seeing. So anybody that solicits
1: has to have a permit. Absolutely. Through the city of Madison they do. And you should
2: should not, because they should be displayed prominently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't feel any compunction, and if they don't, Call it in. Yep. We have people that are saying oh I don't want this is the little stuff. It's the little stuff we want to go on before it becomes a big that's stuff. Right. That's Might, right. Might we'd rather be preemptive.
0: Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. And I know so often we're we're telling people that, you know, be untrustworthy, you know, ask the questions. Uh say well, close trust the door. trust
2: but verify. Isn't that what that's Ronald Reagan good, said? Yes. Yes,
0: yes. verify.
2: Here you go. Um,
0: but but also making sure that you are initiating the call, absolutely, rather than having someone call you out of the blue.
2: Absolutely, uh, you're so important. correct. Very absolutely, important. very good self help. Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, we're close to out of time. We yeah. still got a little bit of time. Yeah. Sure. So, what else would you just like to?
0: Yeah. What do you want to tell? Our say best- to yes,
1: older people or to.
2: Well, I think the audience in general. Well, I think that, that at the end of the day, there's an awful lot of things that are going on in the world of policing, and lest we think that it's gloom, doom, despair, and we're on the cusp of Armageddon, <laughs> I got to tell you, I—you might hear it. This isn't my heart. This is my vest. No. And Madison mm-hmm. is lucky to have. You know, you have 470 officers who, on any given day. Are literally preparing themselves to make the ultimate sacrifice because they feel so strongly about selfless service to our constituents and you know when we talk about the use of force Madison probably goes on over 15,000 calls a month because we've been able to quantify and look at these patterns of that 15,000 calls well over 98% are resolved with two things Presence and communication.
0: Bingo.
2: All but 2% even have me touching someone else. And a lot of that is for if it's at the point of handcuffing, which we consider a use of force, Mm -hmm. uh, all the way up through deadly force. But uh, the deadly force indices across the country, when you consider the millions of encounters, are less than 0.55% nationally. But be that as it may, one tragic death is too many. So it's an erstwhile and worthy endeavor to look at what the police can do, continue the training to see how we can be better at diffusing volatile situations, uh, doing crisis intervention more effectively, creating distance, creating space, looking for cover, and in overall, disengagement.
0: You are the perfect person for us here in Madison. It
2: depends on who you're polling, Christine, (laughs) on any given day. But thank you for that benefit. So I've got you in my corner, my mom. Jane's a maybe. She's a maybe. (laughs) I work a lot of hours, so she isn't completely locked in on this profession. Thank
0: you so much. Thank you very much. Appreciate your hospitality. See you next time on Senior Beat.